You ever see a Yeti when a dozen condoms of coke burst in his belly? It's a bad scene, man. Miracles happen most every day to people like you and me. But don't expect a miracle unless you help make it to be so you hope and I'll hurry you pray and I'll plan we'll do what's necessary cause even a miracle needs a hand welcome burgermeisters to geek salad episode 92 ranking my bass I'm Andy. I'm Mike. And uh, we've got a special guest today, uh, returning for his second show in three in the last three shows, Joe. Hello. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, no, not a problem. Not a problem. We actually had some cancellations last minute today also. Yeah, Jim. Jim and Mike were going to both be here, but... Yeah, Jim. Uh, Mike, a uh, uh, former student of Mike's passed away, so oh, we had yes, a, I heard he had a service to go to, and um, Jim has got finals. Oh, I know that crusty Dean. <laughs> um, so pull up the bra bomb. Yeah, they both they both um, send their regrets that they couldn't make. I know Jim was bite is dying it dying to get into this, but unfortunately, this is literally the last day we can record this before Christmas. Yeah, uh, just with uh, Mike and my horrific retail work schedules. Yeah, doing. Yeah. We're doing nine-hour days. Yep. Ouch. Yep, nine-hour days. I'm just amazed they haven't gone gotten us on the six-day week yet. Yeah, six-day weeks and nine hours each. Ugh. Uh, don't give them ideas, though. That's probably for next year. Uh, no, they, they actually did that. Um, my first two years with the company. Mm. I'm not at liberty to say what company we work for, even though you probably already know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, they did that the first two years. So, um, anyway, we are talking today all about uh, the Rankin and Bass holiday specials. You remember them as a kid, right? Oh, yeah. Getting all psyched how up. You, the, how can you forget? You know, the CBS, the, you know, CBS, 8 o'clock, you know, running downstairs in your PJs. Seeing you Rudolph and Frosty. Were, were there others? Well, there's plenty of others. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I just want to go on the record of saying that... Um, about a, just under a month ago, I, I decided to let's just say derail the baby train. <laughs> so I spent a weekend in recuperation and uh, did all my homework on that on that solemn weekend. Yeah, sitting on an ice pack. Uh, no, uh, frozen peas. Okay. So if your day ever comes, sir, you'll. So wait, don't, wait, don't, don't give don't give that any ideas. <laughs> so wait, you you went through that and decided to watch. All these, and you not a masochist? I, I amazing. I can't afford to be a masochist, unfortunately. I don't know all the private clubs and uh, just punched yourself in the balls. And eyes wide, yeah. And I don't know any. I know where to find any of those eyes wide shut orgies either. So, uh, well, oh, yeah, but well. current, your previous actions belie that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, before we get started with uh, our Rankin and Bass holiday specials, I actually uh, threw a uh, an assignment out to Chris. For KKK. KKK? That's not good. And, um, 
pretty much what I asked him to do was come up with the worst ranking of our sidekicks, like sidekicks, narrators, whatnot. <laughs> so, um, oh, I, I know of one that I would like to throw, throw that. Well, yeah, me too. Well, you guys feel free to to, to pipe in, but. Uh, Chris writes, hey guys, Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass are legends in the holiday special Pantheon. After the huge success of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman, they tried to duplicate that magic every year back in the 70s and 80s and had very good success with some of their follow-up specials, but also some duds. I'm talking to you, Leprechaun's Christmas Gold and the Stingiest Man in Town. Uh, in the Rankin and Bass specials, there are some memorable sidekicks like Yukon Cornelius and Hermie and the Miser Brothers, but there were a lot of bad ones. Here's my list of the worst sidekicks in Rankin Bass special history. Number five, Tingler from the Life and Time Adventures of Santa Claus. Chris writes, this guy freaked me out as a kid. He looked like one of those skexies in the Dark Crystal. <laughs> all right. First of all, let me just let me just put it this way. Just the name alone is that doesn't if you're, feel good. <laughs> if your protagonist is a man who sneaks into children's homes to quote unquote Give them something. <laughs> the last thing you want your uh, your sidekick to be named is Tingler. Tingler. <laughs> hey, Tingler, go tingle them some more. <laughs> why, go, why give them something? <laughs> Let me just tingle. T- tingle, tingle essentially is an elf who knows all the languages of the world. And his annoying trait was that when he would say something, he'd say it in like eight different languages, apropos of nothing. Uh, what they really should have been doing, if they wanted to keep it really accurate, was he'd have to say them in every language, and they just have to do like that time lapse thing where he starts, <laughs> you know, he says it in Japanese and Swedish and Norwegian. No, no, no. And then they just fade, and then he's in Russian and something like that, and then you know, fading in again. Now he's speaking Dothraki or something else. You know, just Klingon. So that was yes for pepperoni and che- and, and sausage, correct? <laughs> yes, see, done, yes. <laughs> All right, uh, next up on um, Chris's list is Scratcher from Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. A villainous sidekick to Winterbolt, an evil snow sorcerer. He was kicked out of the North Pole for stealing presents and candy canes. And because of this, Rudolph took his spot. For some reason, we don't see him after a certain point in the rest of the special. <laughs> if your biggest crime is stealing candy canes, you're not on the FBI's top ten. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're not going to make it to the supervillain pantheon no. with, that, with that resume. No, ser- yeah, seriously. Bad horse will reject you, I'm Dude, sorry. He is, like the D- he is like a DC villain, though. It's just like the polar opposite <laughs> version of the superhero. <laughs> Yellow Green Lantern, Stupid Superman, Mr. Banjo. Yeah. What, was it? what was that guy? Oh, the Banjo. The banjo. <laughs> Keep in mind, kids, this is a real villain. <laughs> Next up uh, is Baby New Year from Ray Rudolph's Shiny New Year. He was annoying. This is what Wikipedia describes as the plot of the special. Rudolph has just come back from delivering Christmas presents with Santa Claus when he is asked by Father Time to find the missing baby New Year before midnight on New Year's Eve, unless Happy is returned before December 31st to take his position as at the New Year, the current year will not end, and the date will perpetually remain December 31st forever. I'd be cool with that, actually. If this happens, an evil vulture named Eon will rule the world forever. <laughs> um... Baby New Year. Baby oh. New Year, yeah, again, this well, is... He's a walking condom ad. 
Well, this is the Rudolph story, though. It's it's just the Rudolph story where Rudolph now gets to be the Yukon Cornelius character. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Rudolph, you know, after his shining moment, is no longer important. Whatever, you know. I don't need you anymore. To he was, he was I'm all set with you. He was Rudolph. displaced by a, by, by a camel with a clock in its hump. That, oh, or Nestor. <laughs> the, um, I just remember we had this on when I, when I first started at Suncoast and, you know, baby New Year's just, you know, he's got like those big gigantic glass tears that all rank in a bass character's shed. And Rudolph's like, I know exactly what it's like to be you. They used to make fun of me and call me names. And the guy I was working with, Dan, just flamingly gay man. <laughs> Wonderful guy to work with. But he's just like, oh, Rudolph, have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Up next, uh, number two on Chris's list is Bah Humbug from The Stingiest Man in Town. He was the narrator voiced by Mr. C himself, Tom Bosley. The special was basically a musical version of A Christmas Carol. Tom Bosley was a great actor. His singing talents, on the other hand, were a little off. Um, I do want to remind Chris, however, that Tom Bosley has a Tony for a, for performing in a musical. Really? Yes, Fiorello, which was a musical musical about Fiorello, Fiorello LaGuardia. Easy for you to say. Yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, a musical about a guy who got an airport named after him. He, okay. he, he was the greatest mayor New York ever saw. So or governor. Say. I don't even know he's governor or mayor. Does it really matter? It's just the city. And then finally on Chris's list, Blarney Kittakarney from the Leprechauns Oh, Christmas yeah, no, that's not, a, that's not a racist oh, God. Irish guy. Could it be anyone else? Voiced by Art Carney in his best Irish accent he narrates. This very unusual Christmas special. Uh, this is one of Jim's favorites, by the way. Jim and Mike's, I, I, I will say. So it's kind of a shame that neither of them could be here for I this. I actually watched this right before I came over here. Oh, um, you did? I, I think I saw it a long, long time ago, but I, I didn't remember almost any of it. It's shorter than I thought. Oh, it's only a half hour. Yeah. We'll get well, into it because it's... all happening. It is so quick. But, oh, well, we'll get into that, too. I have some feelings about that. Uh, it was... It was... Hateful. It is. It is. But we, we will get into yeah, that. I'll yeah, just okay. say that Blarney is just your typical Irish. Tr- I like it, too, because he's... What, he's walking around with a bottle of Jameson's, too? You know, he, he, he's, sitting on, you know, he's sitting on a porch. All right, let me introduce myself. I'm Blarney Killakalarney. Leprechaun by birth, gold master by trade, and I just, like, piped in, alcoholic by nature. <laughs> yes. And then my wife shoots me that glaring, that, that glaring stare that says, there are children in the room. And then he goes on and has this... Knockdown drag out fight with his wife. Exactly. Yeah, wow. yeah, exactly. It's no, not it's, an it's, Irish stereotype there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Christ, the Italians are coming to the island now. <laughs> Get off of here, y'all whoops. <laughs> one, uh, one more psychic I'd like to add to that list. Yeah. The uh, the hedgehog voiced by um, oh, what's Buddy, Hackett? Buddy Hackett. Oh, no, Jack he was Frost. a groundhog. He was the ground up. Like we, anyone really cares. Exactly. We are going to get into that, okay? He was annoying as all So again. Chris just concludes, <laughs> that's it. Have a great holiday season. Until next podcast, Chris. And Merry Christmas to you and your family, Chris. Yes, Merry Christmas. I hope you've been watching these. And by the way, I just want to point out that almost all of these are available on YouTube. All yeah, of these, yeah. this horror that we're going to be going through is all on YouTube. So if you're a masochist like Andy, go ahead and watch them. 
Or just punch yourself in the nuts. Well, yeah. Or, you know, you can have a scalpel taken to your balls and then... Uh, and then yeah. watch them. And then watch them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Hey, I gotta tell you, though, the drugs... Yeah. Now, now, just as, a, as an aside, is this like an outpatient thing? Oh, or? yeah. Oh, in and out, half oh, hour. Screw that. Drug me up. I mean, just put me out. <laughs> oh, no, it was, the, yeah. I'll pay for the hospital bed. Let's no, no, you out. know, no, yes. Let's just end, let's move on. This this subject is, is just bringing back bad yes, memories. Yes, it makes okay. me want to cross my legs. <laughs> so we did take it to Facebook, but how, what we're going to do is there's a lot of very specific mentions on well, Facebook, so we're just gonna we're gonna keep them to there. Yeah. Um, to the respective specials. It actually the most of them came for this one right here. The very first, the granddaddy of them all, 1964's Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> this is the best. It's not without its faults, but it's definitely the best. I I will agree with you, and I I think I say this every Christmas special that we do. It's amazing to me that this was their first output for the Christmas specials, and it's still it's not only the best. It's got the best story cohesiveness, and just on a technical standpoint, it's got the best animation. It's got the best songs too. Oh, well, it was done in Japan. That's why. Oh yeah. Well. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> pay them fifteen yen to uh, or, or or yen and a day to do this. Oh, yeah. no, but definitely the best songs though. I think everyone would agree with that. Oh yeah, well they're not just horrible retreads and repeat, you know, repeated no. verses over and over again. And I actually I actually looked this up, and apparently the guy who who uh, wrote the original Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer song, he, uh, the Rankin Bass actually contacted him and got him to do the. A lot of the songs for this new show. Yep, Johnny Marks. Yep. Yeah, and um, so. I mean, this, I, this is definitely the first one I remember seeing. I mean, the stop motion animation in this, when you look at it, is amazing. Yeah, for the for the era. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, you think for the era. I mean, even today. I mean, you don't really see a whole lot of stop motion animation now. And no. when you do, I mean, well, it's mainly Henry Selleck well, and uh, Pete and Tim well, Burton. But but when you think about what what it's comparable to at the time, what was the other stop motion am, uh, animation show that that was big at the time? The Thunderbirds. Oh yeah. Well, that is no. Well, that, that was marionettes. They were marionettes. Well, the same the same kind of principle though. Yeah. What what I like most about the stop motion in this one is that for the human characters, the few that they were. They didn't have that weird jaw thing. Oh, oh they didn't have the marionette yes. jaw. Yeah, the marionette jaw. Oh, like, uh, like uh, Santa's what? coming to town. Uh, yeah. Santa's coming to town, yeah. What the fuck was that? Let's give them all nutcracker jaws I'm there. Gonna, I'm going to deliver your mail and eat your soul. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give, give your kids nightmares. All, All right, right. Let, let's let the Facebook feedback guide our conversation on Rudolph All because right, good, Rudolph's one of those things. I mean, it kind of goes without saying. It, it doesn't really warrant a whole lot of discussion, except for this. Andy Tatnall writes: One of the first things I notice upon watching Rudolph as an adult is what a wang Santa is. Oh, he is <laughs> such a dick. It's a wang. Oh, I, I couldn't believe that because. I watched it as a kid, and I, I don't think about it. When you're a kid, yeah. I think about it. But I'm watching it with my daughter. You know, last year she's three. You know, she's three, four years old, and we were watching it. And I was amazed at just what an a hole Santa was, not only to Rudolph but to Comet. Yeah, actually, this and is what he this is what he writes. Donner, you should be ashamed of yourself for having a child who's marginally different. <laughs> Great bouncing iceberg. Now I'm sure it'll stop as soon as he grows up, Santa. Well. Let's hope so if he wants to make the sleigh team someday. And even when he accepts Rudolph, it's only at his time of need. <laughs> or, or, or how about the, 
who's well, who was worse? Who's worse, Donner or, or Santa? Donner for actually letting Santa talk shit about his son in front of him, in front of him, or Santa for saying that stuff. Here's another man sticking a big old black thing on exactly. his nose. Mm. Okay, I, I I gotta impress my boss. So so here, son, let's yeah. let's completely let's, change. Let's hide your deformity. Exactly. I mean, it's not like he had like a you know, it's not like he had a deformed hoof or something yeah. like that. Um, it's like the Kennedys hiding away their daughter. Oh, the other thing too, and this is something Scarlett noticed today when we were watching it during elf practice. Where um, they start singing the We Are Santa's Elves theme. And Santa's just like, fuck this shit. We are Santa's Elves. We are stuck in hell. Every day's a hideous nightmare. Only death will quell. Ho, ho! He's like, sitting back, do I have to listen to this? Exactly. He's like, I've I've done this for centuries. Come on. I, I guarantee, I guarantee, there is that, that one day when both Rankin and Bass, who are both amazingly enough still alive, when, really? both, when both of them are dead, they will unearth some horrifying animation, like outtakes, one of them of which is Santa sitting on his throne, mind you, making that, 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 like that mock jerking off motion while they're doing this. <laughs> Andy also goes on to write, well, in addition to the Santa douchebaggery, we also have a Rudolph special and, and success to blame for the presence of not one, but two feature-length Rudolph movies. Just try to th- sit through one of these without desperately wishing you were somewhere else. Yeah, and the funny thing is, too, is that Rudolph grows up in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He gets the uh, the big antlers and all yeah. that stuff. It's puberty. <laughs> and then he immediately for... de-ages for the next two, which are clearly established as happening after the events in Rudolph. Yeah. And then no, maybe they just lopped off his, his antlers. <laughs> yeah, let's lop off the other deformity. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and then Andy goes on to write, oh, and you know who else was a raging asshole in Rudolph? That winged lion. It's like, King Moonracer, we're cold, tired, and hungry, and near death's door, can we stay here? And he answers with, uh, with, with, um, just benevolently, with a benevolent chuckle, no, misfit toys only. And while I'm doing nothing to help you, would you do me a favor in return to help solve my problems with these toys? So, so I'm thinking he's not the Jesus allegory that Aslan is. No, no seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While I'm at it, let me just kick you. I'm a winged lion with a crown. Now get the fuck out. I'm yeah, a lion. What are you going to do about it? Well, the beauty of that too is though is that you know because when they fought, when Santa does finally come and get the get the toys, and by the way, sends them all to a merciless death over the top <laughs> over his sleigh. He doesn't even like go down anybody's chimney. He's, he's got an elf there to toss them out of the. <laughs> he, he, he's a he's a dick to begin with for sending the the toys away because they're quote unquote misfit. Yeah, you know, and then he's a dick for sending them to their deaths. But I would just like to see King Moonraiser's face because no one let him know that they were all going. I was like, "All right, who's gonna draw my bath?" And oh, ah, shit! These poor toys have the hope of being being played with again. And all of a second, I, I gotta ask: If King Moonraiser is the king of the misfit toys, is he a misfit toy as well? If so, did Santa just like completely forget about him? It's like. I think we've established Santa's got other priorities right during this whole episode. All right. And then um, Steve Dermody writes, Rudolph's nose is referred to as shiny, which means it reflected light rather than producing it. Such a nose would be useless in foul weather guidance device. (laughs) It's as shiny as a peach. (laughs) 
Steve Bailey writes, yeah, Santa's a total bigot. Also love the thinly veiled sexism and the no, this is man's war comment done <laughs> makes when going to search for Rudolph. Regardless, I love the thing. Um, yeah. That was another... <laughs> I, forgot, I, never, I forgot about that. Now, here's the weird part about that, okay? Because, again, fresh mem- you know, fresh memories of this now. Not only... It's, it's Burl Ives narrating. And, by the way, my daughter still lives under the impression that Burl Ives is a snowman. <laughs> what, what, did, it, did it blow her mind when Frosty the Snowman showed up and it wasn't Burl Ives? Oh, no, no. It's just that we were, we, we were listening to a Burl Ives a children's album. And I'm like, well, why would he say something like that? And Scarlet goes, Daddy, he doesn't know anything. He's just a snowman. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just this weird thing where, you know, that they show Donner telling um, Mrs. Donner and Clarice, you know, well, I'm going to go out and find him. But instead of having the actual characters do the voices, Burl is the one with the, no, this is man's work. Like, Donner said something completely different, and, you know, Burl's, you know... Southern upbringing is <laughs> you know, Listen, you stupid snowman. <laughs> I was actually listening. We we had some Christmas music at work today, and one of my coworkers, like one of uh, what was it, Silver and Gold, I think. Yep, or, Silver and Gold came up. Uh, you know, whatever one of the ones that Bro Live sings, and I just you know was kind of as a passing thought said to uh, my coworker, "What would it sound like if Bro Lives did Slim Shady?" <laughs> did he do it? No. Aw. Ha. You like Primus? <laughs> um, yes. Now, here's the other thing, too, about the narration of Burl Lives. It's like, he's done his best to keep himself completely out of the entire story, until, all of a sudden, he gets to play the big hero, and he told Herbie and uh, oh, yeah. Yukon oh, yeah. where to find everybody. In the cave of the slowest moving abominable <laughs> snowman ever. I mean, seriously. The only time you ever move that deliberately slow is when you're having a championship ladder match in wrestling. <laughs> and you could be 100% healthy, but you have to lumber up that ladder just so you can't get the... Oh my god, he was knocked down! Just so the Safety guy with like two broken legs can reach up and pull you exactly. down. Exactly. Safety first. Safety first. Let's go up to this ladder slow. And that, that brings up another point, though, about the abominable snow monster, though, is that there's that, you know, where he finally he brains Rudolph with that, you know, that stalactite. And then Rudolph's family and girlfriend are gathered around while the abominable is just, like, drooling on him, like, Ugh, And then Clary says, why doesn't he just get it over with? You've been standing there for five minutes. You couldn't do anything to fight back or drag Rudolph away. Nope, I'm resigned to seeing it and watching him get torn apart by this wild monster. I just got to wonder. It's a morbid curiosity. What kind of a life would the Abominable Snowman have after having all of his teeth ripped out of his skull? Oh, lots and lots of pudding. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing a, a, a vegan menu up in the north. No, exactly. <laughs> not a lot of ag- you like a lot of snow. It's not really a great agra place to be. So, all right, then uh, Steve, uh, the mighty, the mighty eight cod writes that Herbie's the elf's si- uh, side story is clearly meant as an allegory for gay rights. In All right, no, I did have. I responded back to this one because. Um, I actually thought that Hermie is more a comment about workplace employment provisions of the 1960s. (laughs) As far as you can tell, elves don't get paid, and I'm pretty sure that their diet consists solely of cookies and candy canes. 
What Hermie wants is to make sure that the company is giving back in the form of free dental care. And by the way, that just opens up the door for a whole lot of elfcare.gov jokes. <laughs> yeah, you know, more, the more we talk about this, the more and more I'm convinced that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, both the song and the movie, are just an allegory for communism. <laughs> well, Marxism. Yeah. Well, actually, if you think about it, Santa's kind of socialist. I mean, he's just giving exactly. you know giving away the toys. He's giving away the toys, and Rudolph has no worth to the state. Until he proves that he he can there do something ad- advantageous. <laughs> yeah, it's a red yet, nose. Yeah, it's exactly. red. Oh, and it's a red suit. Red like your commie blood. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve. By the way, responded back to that. By the way, with a very nice meme that he tagged me in, and he also said, "I bet Elfcare.gov would have worked perfectly at launch." Why? Two words: pre-existing infrastructure. Santa <laughs> already had a global observation network keeping tabs on every man, woman, and child on the planet. <laughs> Yeah, with a seeing-eye telescope. <laughs> From heaven, with Merlin, the wizard, and all the children of the world making him toys in his slave labor camps. Uh, and then Blake uh, Bramhall writes, There is so much sexism you can't even start with it. And Santa's pretty much a dick most of the time. And the island of Mr. Toys, come on, who the hell would want to train with square wheels? Meanwhile, a perfectly good spotty elephant and a doll with nothing wrong with her except she's a sobbing email girl are stuck there. It's messed up. And Hermie is an elf with an Anakin Skywalker predecessor, no Obi-Wan, and no icky girls uh, to slow him down. And I've watched those TV shows a few too many times and I own them on DVD, maybe, and watch them every year. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I, I I would think that's a definite yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. A um, couple stray observations I noticed this, uh, today watching it. First of all, every time that Mrs. Santa Claus, who looks like Mama Gino from the 1990s Papa Gino's ads, <laughs> um, every time she's serving him food, no wonder he doesn't want to eat it. It's gray. <laughs> every plate she puts in front of him. Actually, all the, all the interiors are gray. Yeah. You'd think that, you know, the like, decorations around. Yeah. Like it's like a Soviet-era building. Yeah, yeah pretty much. There wow. Yeah, there you go. There's your communist. Even more. Stalin Claus. <laughs> um, And then, you know, here, here's something that's really interesting. Okay, so it's eight reindeer, right? Mm-hmm. And then Rudolph makes nine. Correct. When Santa finally takes off, I only count seven Ru- uh, reindeer, including Rudolph. You know so what, he probably kicked his dad off the... Good point, because what happens is, and this is this can be found in the later like TV version, like the special edition of Rudolph, where Santa flies off, he's got Rudolph, everyone's got the happy ending, and there's Donner on the ground going, there's my little buck. Yeah. yeah Aren't you supposed what? to be working? <laughs> guess what, Don- Donner? Rudolph just took your place. You're Don- you're irrelevant now. Don- Don- Donner's going to be hanging above uh, Yukon Jackson mantle. <laughs> he keeps that up. No, but here's the other thing, too, and I, I think I might, have, might actually have a solution for how what the answer is for this. All right. They actually have reindeer games. They're training these reindeer to pull Santa's sleigh one day, okay? Um, Keeping in mind that for at least the last couple hundred years, it's been the same same eight reindeer. (laughs) Nine, if you you count Rudolph. So what happens? Do they train these reindeer to become big and strong, and all of a sudden is a weakened vixen, like... Walks up to say fireball or something like that. She just sucks his soul out and becomes young and youthful again. They're clones. They're clones. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a whole like uh, James Bond thing. When one dies, the next one is just renamed. It's just renamed the same thing. Yes. <laughs> but they oh. regenerate like the Doctor. Yeah. So it's it's, <laughs> it's no longer Donner now. It's Donner Five. Donner Mark Donner Five. Nine. Donner Mark Five. Oh, good lord. Okay, well, as the Dune nerd here, I'll just say they're all ghoulas. <laughs> so there any, can be only one. <laughs> any other thoughts on um, on Rudolph at all before we move on? I think we picked that up. I, think, I think we picked that Okay. Picked it down to the bone. All right. Now, uh, it's a round table, gentlemen. Uh, what would you say is the next... Rankin and Bass Christmas special. And no looking at your notes. Well, I already know what's back. Well, I, I understand. Yeah, okay. Everyone is under the impression that it's Frosty, correct? Correct. Frosty is the number two. It, it completely is not. In fact, there's two in between it. 1967's A Cricket on the Hearth. Starring Danny Thomas. Da- starring Danny and Thomas his daughter, and his no-talent daughter, Marlo. <laughs> um, I had no idea this existed until I searched Wikipedia found out this, in fact, did exist, and that YouTube had it in three parts. I thought it was five parts, actually. Uh, no, I found the, I found the three-part version of it. Oh, okay. Because it, it was a good 50-minute special. Oh, yeah. It's a uh, hand-drawn animation, first of all. Um, it is as British as British can get, by the way, because... Well, it's, well, it's, a, it's, an, it's, it's, it's almost Dickensian. I mean, well, it's, it is Dickensian. It, it, it's based on an idea of a, of a, uh, Dick, a story. Dickensian story. It's based on a story by Charles I mean, it was, yeah, really, yeah. it was really, right. originally written in the 1800s. So. Right, exactly. And, I mean, it must have been when uh, Dickens was on a tremendous laudanum bender, <laughs> yeah. because, holy shit, if this is what he intended this thing to turn out as... Christmas is sort of special for everybody. And we have a very special show that I sincerely believe will heighten your Christmas. Now, as you all know, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol is one of the most famous pieces in literature. But very few people know that Dickens wrote another beautiful rendering of Christmas called Cricket on the Hearth. Matter of fact, I just found out about it myself. Um, Give me a Christmas Carol any day. Roddy McDowell plays the cricket. Yeah. Roddy, wow. Yeah, exactly. He's so British, and he's walking around, and oh, blimey! He's not just, he's not just British, he's cockney. Oh, <laughs> he is like all kinds of British. And he's throwing his poo around a, Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. That's Planet yeah, of that's Planet of the Apes. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but the only, are you? The only two people in the entire thing who are not... Who don't even have British accents are the Thomases. For no reason whatsoever, no, that, no, an that apropos of nothing. That doesn't break the atmosphere or the, or the immersion. Not at all. It just, just goes to show how terrible actors both of them were. <laughs> um, you guys, I don't know if either of you guys watched Saturday Night Live in, their, in its current incarnation. Mm. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the actresses on there does this really good job of playing kids who are terrible actors. It's like they had an actor's camp and she was playing Vanessa Bear. And she's playing Forrest Gump. My mother had the cancer and died on a Tuesday. And that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> that is how Marlo Thomas was acting in her mid to late 20s. Like a valley girl? <laughs> Just like this. Oh, hi, Cricket. I cannot believe that my, my that my lover is gone. Um, we st- oh, was automat- that her? Was that Marlo Thomas? That was Marlo Thomas yeah. doing Cricket on the Hearth. I thought that was a pretty Oh, it's, it's bad. First of all, here's how bad the story is. That they did a live action introduction by Danny Thomas. You know, back in back in the sixties when they used to do these Christmas variety specials and stuff, he'd be dressed up in a you know, in a nice suit or a tux, you know, and his home is all festooned for the holiday season. 
and he's welcoming you in, and there's a big roaring fire, and the first thing he says is, I was not familiar with this story. <laughs> How much do you have to suck that you can't, it's not, you're not even familiar to the narrator. You know what's funny is that there have been previous adaptations of this story yeah. in other media, but this was the last one. <laughs> it's like, Wow, oh, totally this is the ruined, one that took the, yeah. Totally ruined the story that nobody decided to do it anymore. Oh, it's bad. It's it's funny, too, because I was watching, and Autumn, Autumn was sitting with me and watching some of it, and um, Marlo Thomas's character has a boyfriend who's in the in the Royal British Navy. Yeah. And you know what Kirby? happens when he's like, well, I've got my orders, I'll have to go. Anytime that happens in anything in the 19th century, you know the guy's a goner. Right. And then they deliver the note that he's he's lost at sea. And she's like, I can't believe it! And we're just like, really? This is kind of... A, this was an accepted way of life to the Brits. No, exactly. Even worse, she said, he says, I, I will release you from your promise if you want. Oh no, I would never want you to do that! And yeah, his, he's dead. Yeah. He, he, might, that, he might as well, well be he may be dead or that, he, he had other plans. <laughs> yeah, I can, I'll release you from your obligation. No, 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 no. No, really, you can go! <laughs> I play on bonkets and island chicks while I'm Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you seen those chicks in Jamaica? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Man, the Polynesian chicks, I don't know if they've got VD, but I'm gonna find out. Um... <laughs> The the best part about this was I think in, in like the third part. Okay, so a whole bunch of stuff happens, impoverishment, blah blah blah, and um, the Danny Thomas's boss has this 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 crow, and uh, he doesn't like the cricket because the cricket is onto, you know, he's onto their chicanery. So the crow doesn't like the cricket because the crow is going to eat, eat the, the cricket, cricket. right? <laughs> but what the crow's, he, the crow's but, eats food. What the crow does is is that he enlists the service of a rat and a cat to help him take care of the cricket. Take care of the cricket. Um, and I think that the crow then murders the, the cat and the rat. I haven't been able to figure that out yet. But the cricket wakes up on, on a ship in the middle of the ocean. Um, and then he um, manages a way to escape and is kind of bouncing from sea creature to sea creature to sea creature to get back to land and then get back to London, which is in the middle of the land mass. <laughs> and are you telling me that there's no fish that said, hmm, there's a small bug on my head. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, Seriously, if, if you're going to make a, your hero into a small insect, don't make your hero into a small insect. <laughs> And well, every everything ends up happily because the um, there's an old homeless guy who turns out to be the lost naval love. Oh God! And everything everything works itself out at Christmas. Of course it does. There is not one memorable did song they, in here. It, do they have the shining star? Uh, oh, every under? single one of these has the shining star. <laughs> and that montage. It is like uh, this this montage when when like Marlo is singing a song and they have like this montage of happier times and. And love and everything like that. and But the best part is at the very, very, very end, when Danny Thomas thanks you for allowing me, uh, allowing me into your home, here is the t- very talented cast of our, of our production. As the daughter, my very talented daughter, Marlo. And you know, even as a father, he really had to, like, like clinch his teeth and go, wait, this talented I'm being paid how much for this, to say this? <laughs> okay. I, I, Not I, nearly I enough. 
Yeah, I guess I can squeeze it out. <laughs> Interesting trivia about Danny Thomas, though. Uh, do you know that he actually offered to buy Paramount so he could play The Godfather? Wow. He wanted to play Don... Imagine what a world we'd be living wow. in if, 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 if Danny Thomas was uh, Vito Corleone. Oh, wow. My, yeah. My mind is blown. All right, moving I, on. I see, you know, like, bars of, you know, hail, hail flames coming down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to 1968, the little drummer boy. Oh, my God. Uh, Joe, you, you kind of went off on this one um, earlier. Oh, I did. This is this is some dark, dark shit. We're going to dark places with this one. I mean, what is the first thing that happens to this poor kid's family? They get murdered. <laughs> They burn the farm. What is this? Star Wars? Luke finding out uh, Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen burnt to the little crisp? I mean, come on! I, I, again, this is one of these things that will get unearthed once both Rankin and Bass are dead. But there probably, there's probably some test footage that they were just messing around with where, like, the Roman soldiers are, are like, murdering his village. <laughs> and they slice open his mom's throat and she's like staring the little drummer boy right and in the, the eyes. No, 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 you're going to see the test footage you're going to see two, you know, you're going to see hands with the Roman soldier in one end and, and the, his mom getting bent over and then oh, yeah. unnatural they things got, done to her. They got to rape her first. Yeah. Because, you know, if you want to be historically accurate. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and then the little drummer boy shows up and he's smoking. What's so smell so good? And, <laughs> oh my! Something smells like kebab. <laughs> now who do I go to to um, to learn the ways of the Jedi? <laughs> but no, but then then for the rest of the the special, he's just he's an asshole. I can, I I cannot I, I had no reason to cheer for this kid whatsoever during right up until the end. If, if some little kid showed up at your door while your while your new baby is sleeping and starts drumming away, <laughs> are you going to really just smile at him? No, you're going to kick no, his ass I, out. No, as the father of, a, of an 18-month-old, I'd be like, kid, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily now, we're all something ramming that drum over your head. Right, exactly. Can, can, all right, can anybody name me, like, a soft, solemn song that can be played solely on a snare drum? Yeah, no. <laughs> Are there any lullabies yeah. that you know that are like, brum, 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 Well, on a snare drum, you can probably pull off, um... Carmen, or Camino Barana. Yeah. So, all right. So Mary is essentially sitting in a barn, surrounded by the stench of animals and wet hay. It just reminds me of that robot chicken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Joseph, why couldn't you get us a room? There weren't any rooms left, Mary. Oh, my vagina's about to splat out an entire human being, and they couldn't find me a bed. Oh, it's okay, honey. This'll be fine. <laughs> oh, Ew. There's a bunch of strangers with, with, like, you know, surrounding her while she's just pushed out a kid with no medical supervision whatsoever. They're all carrying gifts that reek because they're all incense. And now here comes this kid to do his Neil Peart solo for you. Except for that, except for that one dick man guy who brought gold. Yeah. I thought there was a twenty dollar limit. <laughs> oh, no. I brought myrrh. He brought frankincense, and you're bringing gold. <laughs> Asshole! Get away from him! He might bite you. <laughs> what is that? It's a bomb. A bomb. <laughs> yeah, this this one is like. 
it's kind of like he also ran in the in the Rankin and Bass Classics DVD packages that they give you. It's like you, you get Rudolph, you get Frosty, you get Santa Claus coming to town, and the little drummer born. I thought it was relegated to the discount bin at Walmart. No, this one is actually considered one of the four classics. Um, and then stuff like Cricket on the Hearth ends up being like a special feature. Yeah, kind of like back in the early days of DVD when like. French subtitles was considered a special feature. It <laughs> was considered artsy. Tarzan, Tarzan. It was, was considered avant-garde. Ooh, actually, subtitles. Ooh. Actually, interestingly enough, and we, 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 we heard this from um, our friends Mike and Gita, that if you watch the 1997 um, Man in the Iron Mask, and you switch the English audio to French and just put on English subtitles, it is a way better movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like anime. Yeah. Watching watch the Japanese. <laughs> so, uh, next up, 1969, Rusty the Snowman. Happy birthday! <gasps> hey, I said my first words. But, but snowmen can't talk. <laughs> All right, come on now. What's the joke? Could, could I really be alive? Now this was this was their first anime. Oh no, this was their no, no, no. Cricket on the Hearth was, was hand. His, this hand was actually good animation. animation. This was actually the one that stuck. Um, it still kind of freaks me out that none of the none of the kids saw this snowman come to life, and none of them wanted to you know, burn it down. It wasn't the it's trip. alive! It's alive! Burn it! It wasn't a really religious town, apparently. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't learning their school. They were getting their schooling in the church. So. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, here's what I want to know: How do a bunch of kids? I mean, magic hat, hell! I want to know how the hell they made a snowman with legs. <laughs> Think about that. That thing is standing on legs. That is very structurally sound. Very, very <laughs> dense legs. Well, there's always like that one kid though that 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 you know is an expert at snow fort making. So there's probably like ice pylons in there. <laughs> That's the kid I wanted on my team. The, the ice is the bo- little genius. The ice you know? bones built into it. We watched this With one. Ice trebuchets. <laughs> we watched this one last year, and both Scarlett and I were really underwhelmed by it. I mean, I was underwhelmed oh, by because I've, I've been watching it for like the better part of 35 years. Well, my daughter loved it. She thought it was. She thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Well, part of it is an ineffectual, like a completely ineffectual villain. So, so now every time it snows, she wants to make frosty. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't want to go outside. <laughs> don't make me. Don't make me. Do you know anyone who's actually been able to make a snowman that big? By the way, in real life. No. All right. We made. Only we made. Calvin and Hobbes. Well, last last winter we made a couple of snowmen, and they were. To be generous, maybe two and a half feet in height. Because <laughs> you need really, like, heavy, heavy wet, wet snow. snow. Stuff you don't want to be in. Right. It was the Peter Dinklage of a snowman. It was a decent-looking snowman. We used little uh, cauliflower florets for a no- for buttons on his... Not cauliflower. It was like uh, broccoli florets for his little buttons and little, like, un- unbloomed rosebuds for his eyes. It was a, it was a good-looking snowman. <laughs> All right, fine. Baby carrot for a nose. You put a head, put a magic hat on it. It'd be like some genetic. <laughs> genetic <laughs> kill me the pain. Just kill me now. Oh, that would be hilarious if someone tried to do all that. Quaid. 
I was not made by God. <laughs> I am an abomination. Kill me. Okay. Well, I think we've beaten that one to death. Do you guys want to move on, or do you have anything really else to say? Dark place for this one. Yeah. Um. This is all. Well, by the way, Santa Claus does make an appearance in this one. That's right. Yes. But I don't like how they changed the end. They they changed the last line of the song. You know, it's supposed to be "I'll be back again someday." Yeah, right. And they changed to "I'll be back again Christmas Day." What? Really? Because well, it Frosty, snows every Christmas day, well, Frosty, right? Frosty was never... I don't think Frosty was ever meant to be like a Christmas thing. I think it was just a winter kind of... Yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 a winter song. Right. You yeah. know. Yeah. Kind of like how Over the River and Through the Woods become this, the unofficial theme to Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, that was an awkward silence. 1970 brings us Santa Claus is coming to town. I gotta say, this is in my personal top five. I would agree. This might actually be my number three. This is my number two. I enjoyed it. All right, What's your number two. Um, we're getting to that. We're getting to that. We haven't brought it up yet. Okay. Um, everyone, Rudolph, number one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is this is I think my number three. This is my number two. No, this is a this is fun. I think it's it's a it's a story that doesn't like bullshit a whole lot about how you know the origin of Santa Claus. You know. Yeah, you know. He wasn't thing, bitten by a radioactive uh, snowflake or something like that. And... I, mean, I suppose it's an origin story at work because, you know, you spend the night, the first 28 minutes building up to his origin, and all of a sudden the last two minutes is you see him in the red suit. Yeah. You know, it's like, or oh, the big, you know, with the white beard, big fat, and, um, fat man. And Fred Astaire is S.D. Kruger. <laughs> narrator. Yes. With, with his dis- disturbing mannequin mouth. <laughs> They brought him back, actually. For, they did uh, for the Easter, Easter Bunny is yeah. coming to town, which is does not fall into this no. at all, even in the thinnest of uh, parallels. Um, I, I really, I really just enjoy this one. I like, I like that you know the name Claus comes from the, or Claus was the name that he was given, but Kringle was his yeah, family, which is why they have multiple and, names. And for you know, him. Mickey Rooney did a pretty good. You know, you, you kind of Mickey Rooney. Sold it as yeah, John Chris Kringle. Well, Even though him, by then he was probably already you give him Johnny Walker. I'm sure he could get through anything. And That's right. Oh, right. there's a penguin next to me. All right, all right, all right, yeah, all right. Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. Where the hell did Topper the penguin come from? He was a penguin who was supposed to be in the South Pole and ended up in the North Pole. No, no, with I a know. really We're, bad sense of direction. Yeah, in every in any story about Santa Claus I've ever heard, I've never heard about the legend of Topper the penguin. <laughs> And that's why he makes my top my 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 top number one as uh, the worst uh, worst sidekick. Yeah, he wasn't annoying for me though. He was just he, there. Well, well, no, but he just he didn't add anything to the story. No. It was just kind of like, eh, we'll have a cute little hey, Just just be thankful they made him a mute. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and he had Keenan Wynn as Mr. Warlock. Oh yeah, Winter. Winter. <laughs> the Winter Warlock, <laughs> who somehow happens to be Christian. <laughs> That's true. Oh my God, you're right. Because <laughs> he was praying. You see him there sitting there praying, and I'm like, I got a feeling the oh, church is not cool with that. <laughs> Your power was granted to you by Satan. <laughs> Bow to your true master. <laughs> what dark magic is this? <laughs> all right. Here's a couple of stray observations I had about Santa Claus coming to town. First of all, there is a special place in hell for Santa for what he did to Jessica. Oh, yeah. Yes. Seriously, the only attractive woman in the entire village. And what does he do? 
In the entire North Pole. Oh, yeah, exactly. Apparently, over the course of 30 years, force feeds her um, everything. My, my explanation is this. You're in the North Pole. You gotta have blubber. <laughs> you gotta have the you gotta have the layers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. No way does Jessica become Mrs. Claus and Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, or um, no. A Year Without a Santa Claus, or any of the other uh, movies where Mrs. Claus is actually portrayed as being there at all. Now I want to know where they get the food to get back. They just kill all the little animals that like come help you know drop Santa's uh, all those meal non- off. <laughs> All those non-flying well, reindeer. For the present. By the way, by the way, come out back with me. We gotta talk. Thunk, thunk. Honey, medicine jerky. All right. Now, it also at the end where they're like, well, they just kind of forgot about the Burgermeisters. Well, a toy? As I suspected, I hate toys, and toys hate me. Either they are going, or I am going, and I am certainly not going. I actually yeah, think he's going to kill them off. I, I'm going to guess that uh, you know the burgermeisters were overthrown in a, like a military coup, <laughs> like that really effeminate general of his. <laughs> well, I, I can't stand this anymore. <laughs> Installed the military government. <laughs> they just like show the burgermeister just like sitting in you know his quarters alone, looking in a mirror, and just hear like this. Actually, <laughs> 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 you know what? <laughs> Leading up to that, I can see that effeminate, uh, effeminate general of his getting him into the gimp suit. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the number one lawmaker now, see? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Again, dark. dark oh, boy. See, we are... We are messed up people. <laughs> well, this so, is what happens when you when you, when you watch something every year for the better part of say forty years. Yeah, uh, we're getting coal. Yeah, well, we're all getting coal. All right, can we move on? Let's yes, move yes. On. All right, let's move on to nineteen seventy four. Now, Mike, this is my second favorite. Twas the night before Christmas. This is a good one. I, All this right. is my number three, I think. Andy Tattnall from Facebook writes, My favorite of the ranking of Bass Oviera was always Twas the Night Before Christmas. The story was original and the songs were excellent, and it's not stretched thin to fill an hour. Unfortunately, because the 70s animation hasn't aged well and it lacks the marquee name of a similar Frosty, it's since been banished by the networks to the family cable ghetto. Even finding it anymore requires some nibble use of a DVR. Uh, every every uh, year or so, the ABC will... ABC Family will show it on the twenty-five days of Christmas. I don't, I, you know, I don't. I, I kind of disagree with the with the thing about the animation. I mean, if you compare it to other seventies animation that was on TV at the if time, if you compare it to other animation in this list, like just hand-drawn animation in this list, it's it's excellent. Yeah, I mean, what? Like I said, it was produced by Japanese anime studios. So they, there was some quality work there. <laughs> I mean, a lot. Well, no, I, I told Mike earlier. A lot of these guys that worked on these Rankin and Bass went to work for uh, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. You know, so there, there's some quality there. So, I mean, you compare it to, like, Tom and Jerry cartoons from that era, this holds up a little bit better than those. No, exactly. I just like it because it's, you know, all the songs are really, really catchy songs. This uh, probably has my favorite song of all the movies. Uh, uh, even a Miracle? Yeah. That is, it. not only not only is that a great song, but even when South Park parried it, it was a good it was, parody. Yeah, yes. it was. It was. <laughs> Mr. Hankey. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, yeah, we actually found this last year in its entirety on YouTube. Yep. And we watched it. I, I, I like it. Now, 
Here's here's my question though. Okay, this is what didn't sit right with me. Why is it that all of Santa's ire is is just directed at this? Why did he just take his, his anger out of that one little town and not the entire world? <laughs> the the thing the thing that really amazed me about this one is that this like little mouse ruins Christmas not once but twice and in, no the, one, in the span of a calendar year. And no one's thinking maybe we should just you know, lay out the poison for him. There's something about this mouse. I'm not quite sure what it is, but. <laughs> you know, break out the traps. I want to get that mouse's head on a platter. Where's the cat? How, how, how do we run this mouse out on a rail? Yeah. <laughs> and his family. You, you can't forget his family. Yeah. His family was, was fine, but... No, you know, no, no. Let's see, try and fix this. See, if you take, oh, out, let's if try you, and, let's... If you take out the mouse, you got to take out the family, because, the you know, you just made the mouse a martyr. And now you got his sons who are going to... Yeah, no, he was more of a pariah, I think. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say anyone would... We'd be mourning the passing of Albert if um, yeah. if that if it was what what came to it. Yeah, uh, yeah I just you know what just always stuck out to me though the overbites. Yeah, yeah, but that, the I mean, butt that, teeth, the overbites in the ears. But you know, I mean, that was kind of standard. You know, you saw that through all the ranks. Well, they established the ears during uh, Christmas and Sh- oh. Wait, that's not yet. No, no, so not even there yet. Years here, and then they carried it over. It carries over, okay. No, but, the, but the overbite was was standard fare for Rankin and Bias. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, 1974, a ye- the year without a Santa Claus. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually seen this one all the way through. Really? Uh, yeah. All right. Bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I've seen the whole thing. You might not remember this, Mike, but Joe, you might. Do you remember that there was like that span of like seven or eight years where they would not show it on TV? Yeah. Yeah. Because of the uh, the flame meister. The uh, yeah, there was there was back in back in like the the early to mid eighties. There was this gigantic Satanism's going to ruin everything type of campaign going on. So they yanked this off of TV because uh, Heat Miser, they felt, represented Satan. And he does. Um, No, he represents a giant flamer. That's true, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Um, The hidden homosexual agenda. Yes. Heat Miser, Cold Miser. Represented by Hermie. (laughs) Heat Miser, Cold Miser. I don't think they're just brothers. No, they are brothers because they, they their, their mother is their mother is just nature. brothers. No, no, no. They've got a hippie mother. Oh. <laughs> well, then all the more. She's reason. a tree hugger. All right, move. But here's the thing, though. I I think that after it kind of made its comeback, it may be the most overrated of the classic Rankin and Bass movies. Well, it was overrated enough that they tried a live action. Oh, remake. they did a live-action remake, and then they made a sequel, a non-Rankin-A-Bass sequel yeah. called The Miser Brothers Christmas. Yeah. Completely CG. Two, margin, two marginal characters in the entire thing. He, right. Pete Miser was Paul Freese again, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't care for this one all that much, you know? I really don't want to hear about... Um, Santa Claus's burnout problems. No, exactly. <laughs> you know? He's unhappy in his job. Yeah, join the rest of the world. Exactly. 
Only took you a thousand years. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then you know, just to just to add an insult to injury is when it showed up in Batman and Robin. What? It showed up the the, the oh yeah the, yeah the right, cold yeah. Meister th- thing because <laughs> pop culture references are funny. Mm. I don't have much to say about this I one. Don't I, just, I just don't. I don't care for. It. I just don't care about it. I didn't. I didn't care for the elves. I didn't care. Like I said, I didn't care for Santa pro, Santa's problem. Like, please. Yeah. A whiny Santa Claus. I should. I work in retail during Christmas season. All <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I, don't, I don't know what's worse: a, a, a Santa Claus that's a dick or a Santa Claus that's whiny. Yeah, and this one was also voiced by Mickey Rooney, by the way. Oh god! Oh yeah, there was that that song too, which you know totally proved that Mickey was in the bag during uh, during the the recordings of it, where the kid is like, he he's he's pretending to be somebody else, and he's singing the "I Believe in Santa Claus" song. He's like, "I believe in Santa Claus." I believe in Santa Claus, like I believe in love. I believe in Santa Claus and everything he does. There's no question in my mind that he does exist. Just like love, I know he's there, waiting to be missed. Here, Mickey, here's a bottle of whiskey. And have happy thoughts about Shirley Temple. Not hey, so who's the number one star in the world? Yes, we know. From 1939 to 1940, I spent two decades. I dated Shirley Temple. And Judy Garland. <laughs> Ask Liza who her daddy is. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, all right. If Mike were here, Mike C were here, he'd definitely be talking about this one. 1975, The First Christmas. The story of the first Christmas snow. Oh, Sister Teresa, your, what do you call them? Christmas cards are so beautiful. But why do they all have snow in them? It never snows in this valley. We're much too close to the sea. Ah, yes, that's true. But when I was a child growing up in my village in the mountains, it snowed. How it snowed. And always at Christmas. I I've never seen I've never one. seen this one. Okay, long story short, um, these sisters in a convent are talking about the snow <laughs> that one of them saw once, and then the nun, voiced by Angela Lansbury, looks out a window, watches a kid get struck by lightning, struck blind, mind you. <laughs> oh, does he get his his eyesight back because at Christmas goodness. because it snows? Of course. It All does. right, this one. <laughs> is an hour-long for a story that could have taken place in 15 minutes. You know, talk, right. talk about setting kids' expectations so high. You know, if you get struck deaf, time of, uh, deaf uh, blind, and dumb, you know, you just got to do is wait for a miracle. Well, here's, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the, the kid is just, he's irascible. He's got a great spirit. Nothing can get him down. No. So all the other kids who are going to, like, this parochial school hate him. Um, you know, they... He's he's supposed to be a shepherd, so what these kids like let his his sheep loose in the woods. And they're like, we didn't mean to hurt anybody. <laughs> the only real bad guys in this are a pack of wild wolves. <laughs> Who ate the sheep? No, no, the sheep are fine because uh, the kid gets his sight back when the snow falls on the first day, of, uh, you know, on Christmas Eve, and then he spends all Christmas Day hunting down the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks. And then he this comes is really back, the way I learned. And then he comes back and starts beating the, all those kids. All those with kids. With his um, shepherd's crook. <laughs> Who's blind now? Whack. <laughs> 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 all right, moving on. 1976, Frosty's Winter Wonderland. Oh, God. This has nothing to do with Christmas, but it was obviously you know aired in yeah. December. Due. Now, this is voiced by Andy Griffith. And they did, like, those creepy, creepy, like, cartoon caricatures of him. Oh. Where they made his head, like, super large and decided to accentuate every wrinkle in his face. <laughs> um, this is... Fro- Frosty comes back from the North Pole. He, he did, you know... Frosty goes back from the dead. He did threaten to return, after all. Yeah. He'll be back again one day for vengeance. <laughs> um, he... You know, decides he wants a wife, so they may, they, you know. <laughs> oh, that's right. Now so oh, it's all coming back. It's all. Frosty's got a burning. <laughs> so, oh, he's got a burning and yearning. So they contact Doctor Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I should make you a wife. So they cre- yeah, they they create a wife named Crystal, voiced by Shirley Booth. Um, me all the while, Jack Frost is there trying to convince Frosty that he um. He, you know, he can make a deal with them to make it winter all year round. I am the most powerful thing in winter. Paul Fries does the voice of um, Jack, Jack Frost, Frost, and he sounds like Snarf from Thundercats, <laughs> also a ranking of best. What are you talking about? I actually sounded so much like him, I actually did an IMDb search. Just to find out, no. Paul Fries was dead by the time this all happened, so... <laughs> Which is amazing, considering that a lot of the a lot of the people that did voices for these things did voices on Thundercats. Thundercats, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, freeze ones, moose and squirrel. All right, here's kind of how underwhelmed I was by this one. Upon future viewings, I actually fell asleep watching it. <laughs> it just was like, okay, there's the uh, you know they're married now. I think it would have been entirely different uh, different show. If instead of being voiced by Shirley Booth, Crystal was was voiced by Shirley Bassey. (laughs) Frosty! (laughs) Or or Apple Merman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just remembering that scene from Airplane. (laughs) That was on Cinemax today, by the way. (laughs) The greatest comedy ever. Ever. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. Get it back. Get it back. 1976 also brought us Rudolph's Shiny New Year. You know Rudolph who guided and pulled Santa's sleigh, and who saved Christmas by lighting the way. But there's more to tell. Rudolph saved the New Year as well. Wow, two in one year. Two in one year. Now, this was the stop-motion animation, so... Yeah. Uh, the Mighty Ape Cod writes, Rudolph's shiny new year never really sat, sat right with me. Eon was only trying to prevent his own demise, something he had to be aware of his entire existence, regardless of how long he had to live. That kind of foreknowledge probably triggered a psychotic break, explaining his antisocial <laughs> behavior. In his position, wouldn't any of us do the same? And why were all the other characters so Eurocentric? Were there other things going on outside of the American colonies in 1776? <laughs> I will say, they did get back the um, the original voice of Rudolph. Yeah. What the hell else was she going to do? <laughs> um, Smoke a couple more packs. 
No, actually, Rudolph. Well, Rudolph was voiced by a woman. Yeah, no, no, but it sounded like she'd been smoking for because oh, she had that well. grating voice. <laughs> well, this was okay, all Rudolph. This was, and is a bitch. This was twelve years after um, the original Rudolph. Yeah. Yeah, so this one was just. This is just a mishmash of characters that just kind of end up at a place an hour later. Yeah. You you gotta wonder if by this time they're just giving up. They're like, eh, you know what. Well, what other holidays haven't we uh, exploited yet? Ugh, New Year's. There's nothing for TV on New Year's. Let's bring the let's bring in the New Year's baby. Yeah, let's bring in the New Year's baby. Make him and give him an, a white boy afro. White boy and afro. Really big ears. Yeah. <laughs> and a hat. <laughs> and that little boy grew up to be Ross Perot. <laughs> <laughs> I also remember Eon, like, dying violently, though. Of course. Like, didn't he, like, turn to crystal or something like that and fall into the sea or yeah. something that, uh, you know, an Aesop's fable would, would pretty much show you? I'm, I'm, I'm getting the sense that these, that these Rankin and Bass specials wouldn't be complete unless there's, like, some gruesome, horrifying, traumatizing, mentally scarring death involved to somebody. Okay, well, speaking of which, up next, uh, Joe, is 1976's The Little Drummer Boy, book two, The Reckoning. <laughs> That can only be one. That can only be only one. one. <laughs> um, this is one of two specials that I could not find anywhere. I I, I do vaguely remember seeing this one. And until I look, I started looking up. Uh, so until I started doing my homework for this, I didn't even I didn't even know they made it. Yeah, a I, I just looked it up on boy. on Wikipedia and saw like. Had something to do with like a an evil circus or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, his his job was already done. Mary was already annoyed, so now he's off to <laughs> do whatever the hell he wants to do. All I really, the only thing that really stands out to me about this one is that um, you know, back at Suncoast, they you know when we put up all the Christmas movies and stuff, this had like one of the cheapest looking like video box covers ever. It's just like screenshot from the movie and then Little Drummer Boy Book Two. <laughs> That's it. Not included in any of the box sets. Not well, the, well, I think part of the problem was that they, they weren't, and I did a little research on this, they weren't sure who owned the rights to it at the time. Isn't that really bad when you can't remember who has the rights to they something? Didn't, they didn't know, they didn't know who, who had the rights, so it was in, they, a lot of people thought it was in the, in the public domain, uh-huh. so it ended up in a lot of like, the Wait, discount when, boxes when and stuff like one? that. 1976, there were three in 1976. Because I know, like, was it like a pre nineteen seventy four? It was owned by one company in post nineteen seventy four. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, the Rankin and Bass no, company was owned no, in nineteen seventy four. Rankin and Bass used to be known as Videocraft. Yeah. And up or up to nineteen seventy four, then that no. Then after that, it was uh, it became Rankin and Bass. But everything up to from nineteen sixty four to I think nineteen sixty eight is owned by um, DreamWorks. And everything post that is owned by Warner Brothers. Yes, yes, that's right. Hmm. I did. See, I did remember seeing that one. That's why the Thundercats reboot was on the Cartoon Network. Ah, very nice. And moving on, 1977, Nestor, the long-eared Christmas donkey. Wow, talk about another one that starts off with pure death and destruction. Barbara Powers writes, don't you dare say anything wrong about Nestor. <laughs> Guess what, Barbara? We're saying stuff wrong about Nestor. Yeah. Um. Oh, man. Well, first of all, this one is nothing but a re... It, it's like the biblical retread of Rudolph. 
Right. I've got a physical deformity. Everybody hates me. <laughs> now I go do something wonderful. Now everybody, everybody loves, loves me. me. Shall, shall I start off with this line here? Go right on ahead, Mike. I, I, I would just start, I just watched like the first half before coming over. I couldn't stand it anymore. And right at the beginning, the, the Roman soldier bursts in and says to the, the donkey, the evil donkey owner, the emperor needs donkeys. Strong, young donkeys. <laughs> and I'm like, I text Andy, I was like, uh, the annual Christmas bestiality. <laughs> These are the Romans, after, after all. Yeah. <laughs> was it Emperor Caligula? <laughs> the Caligula. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put three of them in the town square. Tiberius. Oh, Nero. Was it Nero? It was Tiberius. Uh, Tiberi- uh, yeah, Tiberius was the, uh, the emperor during... During Christ's birth. <laughs> he needs strong young donkeys. Well, not much is known about Tiberius, I guess. Especially his donkey fetish. And, uh, I haven't gotten that far in the history of Rome yet, honey. But, but somehow, Don't look at me like that. Oh, you've up, seen I, Claudius. Oh, that's true, I have. Don't remember Tiberius. Yeah. But somehow he ended up as the middle name of James T. Kirk. Uh, <laughs> Tiberius? Are you kidding me? That's awful. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just... Yeah, th- this one is just—it's not only horribly depressing, but once they finally um, introduce you to the sidekick Tilly the Angel, oh, voiced God. by Brenda Vaccaro, a sixty-year-old woman with the voice of a fourteen-year-old, hunting oh, season right out there. That's, oh. that's mind-bending. <laughs> yeah, it's just. It just goes nowhere. I mean, just to be thankful, it's only a half hour long, but it feels like an hour. Oh yeah. You were saying about some of these, Joe. They just like. You know, it's a half hour, and it's, it's over, you know? Some of these feel like they go on forever. You zone out, probably. You zone out, I'm like, eh. My daughter watches them, so I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah. The way the way I, I was thinking of but, but this when I was watching it, is that this is Rudolph, only with a more folk song soundtrack. Nestor was a donkey who seldom left to play Cause no one ever used him in the stable where he stayed Everybody teased him and the other donkeys too They said look at little Nestor, there's nothing he can do yeah, the the guy who does the um the narration for it was a country singer and wrote and the. Uh, Mister's really big. He's got big ears. Guy's name is Roger Miller. Roger Miller, yes, uh, who and who wrote uh, the musical Big River. <laughs> I can only say it like that, Big River, because I um my college my college uh, theater director. That's how we talked, and the year before I came, they had done Big River, big river. and uh, <laughs> in the Big River, looks for. I'm going to cast myself in the lead in Big River as Jim, and I'm white. (laughs) All right. Can we move on? 1978. The only one of these on the list that was actually released in theaters. Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. I I was actually born about two months before this. Yes. Okay. So, fortunately, yeah. you have no memories of this. Yeah. I don't either. All right. This one this takes the, the one entire that... Rudolph mythos that was introduced 14 years before. And pisses and all over it. all over it. Exactly. <laughs> Turns out that Rudolph wasn't born with a um, some kind of deformity. Um, as his mother slept or walked away from him or something like that immediately after birth, which happens all the time. Uh, he was visited by a snow fairy who put a magical snowflake on his hoof, and that made his nose 
shine or refract or whatever the heck it was or doing. Or shoot lasers. Or shoot lasers. Shoot lasers like the adults swim. <laughs> <laughs> yours shoots lasers? <laughs> what does yours do? This is, a, this is another one, though. Oh, God. I just... Well, first of all, this is the only time Frosty's ever been shown in stop motion. But his entire family is there. Yeah. You know, Crystal and his two children. And they yeah. will all melt at some point. <laughs> Flake and uh, what? I, 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 I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Sleet. Mm. Sleet. <laughs> Slush. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... It, a little bit of a country twinge with this one, too, with the, uh... They have this circus that's run by, you know, a family of people and a really attractive woman who wants to marry someone below her station, which is odd for carnies to be talking about, but... <laughs> How do you get much... <laughs> so below my station? What, you mean the person that digs out the elephant crap? Pretty much. <laughs> Daddy, I want to marry that boy. Honey, we're carnies. Have some pride. Have some pride. <laughs> Let the elephant poo sweepers keep to their own. <laughs> oh, boy. It's a topical political show tonight. All right. We, we don't want one of them dung sweepers in our family. <laughs> Go no. marry that cobweb sweeper. <laughs> marry the ring toss guy. He's got a future. <laughs> That guy who guesses your weight, well, guess what? He's going to guess the weight of your heart. Uh, wow, that's an interesting tangent to go off on. All right, good, let's move on. Uh, so I don't really have much to say, but I haven't watched this one forever, by the way. I haven't either. No, I, I don't even know. I, mean, uh, I think I may have watched it once when it was on, yeah. I, I just on TV. I read, I read about this on, on Wikipedia, just saying that it bombed because nobody wanted to watch a Christmas movie that was released in July. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the first meeting of Rudolph and Frosty, these two mega powers. Exactly. It's like that issue of Superman versus... Uh, <laughs> Who is it? Superman and Spider-Man. No, it was Batman and Spider-Man. Batman. What is Superman? There was one Superman and a Marvel character. Alright, whatever. It was, it was like... It's like when Hulk Hogan teamed with the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> or when they tagged up with Macho Man Randy Savage and they, they were, you know, they were going to be a team yet they had to dress and act like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> All right, let's move on to 1978's The Stingiest Man in Town. I've never seen this one. Carolyn Collins yeah. writes that I got into a collection that included The Stingiest Man in Town with the animated Walter Matthau as Scrooge. Uh, my kids have watched it enthralled twice in the past three days as a true testament to Dickens. Um, this... I can think of a better testament to Dickens. A Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> I This was one I had a vague recollection of. Looked at, oh, I have to watch this one. He found it on YouTube. And then wondered why the hell anyone thinks that the word stingy belongs as a song lyric. <laughs> <laughs> it shows up in every single one of their songs. They're trying to make a point, Andy. Well, yeah. I mean, it's essentially, you got to boil, first of all, you got to boil down a Christmas cow to an hour. Which is kind of impossible to do. Well, if you want to get all the subtleties. Mickey's Christmas Carol did it. Well, that's a little different yeah. because they're incorporating the Disney characters. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, as Chris mentioned earlier, Tom Bosley does the voice of Bah Humbug, your humble narrator. Walter Matthau is Scrooge. Listen to the song of the Christmas spirit. Can't you hear it? Can't you hear it? Listen to the song of the Christmas spirit ringing in the air. Hey, you can't go out like that. But I must do my Christmas shopping without your pants. Because when you want someone, you know, crotchety and stingy, you think of Walter Matthau. Right. Come on. <laughs> when Fred shows up, he looks like a hobbit, which reminded me that in 1978 they were also working on The <laughs> Hobbit at the same time. He does look like Bilbo, doesn't he? Oh, it, all the kids look like the, um, like all, all of the Cratchit kids look like the kids in Twas the Night Before Christmas. <laughs> and, um... Well, there's oh. certain, you know, certain animation studios have certain styles, right. so... Here, well, here's how low th- this thing actually slunk. When when Scrooge is walking through the town to get to his home, the dogs are singing a song about how awful he is. The dogs of London. <laughs> Unless they're Muppets, I do not want dogs singing. No, not at all. Um. Oh, and then, by the way, when they finally show the ghost of... Uh, Christmas present, they actually make him look like Santa Claus and give the Santa Claus parallels throughout. Of course they do. They have to. Does that mean Santa Claus dies at the, at the end of every Christmas day? Violently. <laughs> <laughs> He's regenerated. Like the doctor. <laughs> it's a new Santa every year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so it's... Santa Claus is, not, is a time lord. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. I, I don't know. Um, it definitely isn't the worst that I saw. It definitely it was wasn't very... Kind of, it was kind of middle of the road. It wasn't it very wasn't, good. No, it's, it doesn't stand out. It doesn't, you know... All right. Pretty milk toast. So, uh, 1979. This one we're going to talk very briefly about because it is a very tenuous connection to Christmas. Jack Frost. Yeah. The well, first five minutes take place at Christmas, and then the rest takes place... Oh, it's the same thing with Frosty. Frosty has a very tenuous... Neither, neither of the Frosty movies have no, anything actually, to do with Christmas. Technically, the first five minutes take place on Hedgehog, on Groundhog Day. That's oh, right, they do. They do. Voiced by Buddy Hackett. Yeah. Oh. Um, my favorite part about this, though... Well, first of all, it's a complete retread of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Yeah. Right. Just with, um, you know, a, myth, a mythical wood, uh, winter sprite. And without the happy ending. That's true. But here's what I want to know. Okay, the the poor downtrodden um, poor of, the, of the, this little Russian village, they, they, only, they can only have commerce when it, when it gets really, really cold because they make ice money. Putniks. Yeah. <laughs> what exactly? That's exa- a real solvent currency right there. Exactly. What, what is the monetary <laughs> value of it? Exactly. Here, here's a handful. Well, it melted. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I, I did have some. I, I had my pockets were full of them. Why are no. my pants wet? Really, that's not piss, I swear. Is, isn't this why you trade for like goods and services instead of just using money? Oh, I'm a farmer. Oh, that's great. I'm a tailor. Let's make a trade. <laughs> so what exactly do they do during the summer? Uh, they all starve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why, Burgermeister Kraus. I mean, sorry, Kubla Kraus. <laughs> exact same voice, exact same castle, exact same everything. Paul Fries again. Paul Fries again, exactly. Did he oh. use the same doll? Oh, uh, no, there was no doll in uh, Santa Claus coming uh, coming to town. Well, there were dolls, but they, 
they, they weren't ventriloquists. Right. Oh, God, the ventriloquist dummy and the iron horse. Oh. <laughs> I'm Kubla Kraus. I'm king of all the Cossacks. Oh, there are no Cossacks to be king of There's the Rob. There's the Rob. There's the Rob. And what was kind of nice uh, at the very end, when you know she's you know, she's just get about to get married, her her flowers all turn to ice, and she's like, "Oh, it's just a, a hello from the friend." Like, he just killed your flowers. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's not, he's <laughs> not, not a gift. That's a warning. He's not happy. <laughs> Pissed off. You you just made the wrong those, enemy. Those, those are some pretty flowers you got there, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Be ashamed if something happened to him. <laughs> Froze to death in August. I don't know how the hell that happened. <laughs> and, I've got my team working on it. But... That leads to the the uh, killer snowman Jack Frost. Here, here, see what I can do. Okay, let's move on. 1980 brings us Pinocchio's Christmas, which I had the misfortune of watching last evening. I started did, watching that today. And I just how did I this, how, how did this thing manage to get by without Disney? I don't. Off them? I, I don't know. We're watching this, and first of all, and, and, and the reason I bring that up is because this was after they passed the copyright law that extended copyright to seventy five. years. Yeah, exactly. So how Disney didn't jump on this one, I don't know. Because we're we're watching it, and, and the entire time Autumn's like. All right, is this happening before or after the? What, what ha- Where does this take place in the Pinocchio story? <laughs> Where's the continuity? It turns out that it all happens before all the other crap. Which apparently, I thought the Disney movie took place over the span of like three days before he's on the island. Yeah, I guess it's take place you know a few couple months before he's on the island. All right, here's some immediate observations about Pinocchio's Christmas. First of all, the first twenty minutes, Geppetto was really handsy with. Uh, Pinocchio. Whoa, whoa, hey. Pedal, boundaries, boundaries. Uh, boundaries, man. Hey, I'm just a little wooden boy, after all. Yeah, he's even my little Woody. <laughs> now, off to school with you. Aw, uh, do I have to, Papa Geppetto? School is fun just before Christmas. The teacher reads you stories. But, Papa... Now, 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 no more arguments. You must go to school, and I must make my Christmas list. Here's another thing, too, and this stuck out like a sore thumb. There's a song in it called Dancing, which, by the way, this kid is tone deaf. <laughs> this kid is completely tone deaf with, like, a really heavy New York accent. So he's singing, he's like, dancing, let's go dancing. <laughs> but the song has got so much disco infusion in it, it's not even funny. It's inspired by that, uh, by that song by, what, ABBA? Dancing, dancing Queen? No, no, was Who's that? Like dancing. Bee Gees. Let's go yeah. dancing. The Bee Gees. Yeah. It's I mean you and need to go to sad. Sad that I know that. If you go falsetto, you're doing the Bee Gees. Okay. It's, it's pretty much that. That's easy enough to or, do. Or you can also be doing ABBA. No, uh, well, no, because the women sang well, ABBA. Yeah, if you're doing falsetto, you're just trying to mimic a woman's voice. Okay. Fair enough. Or Barry Gibbs. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's. <laughs> What's hilarious about this, and this is what made Autumn laugh the hardest, was when they're like, well, what's going to happen in the future? I cannot see the future. And then they like show these clips of 
the Rankin and Bass animated Pinocchio in the situations of the Disney Pinocchio, right. including here's Monstro the Whale, and there's Geppetto like in the water, like. Ah! <laughs> well, it's like it's like it's got the fox. It's, it's you know it had the fox. It had the cat. You know, it's like what were Disney lawyers sleeping at the time, or what's going on? <laughs> Like, they're, they're probably like, oh, this is Rankin and Bash. Should we really sue them? Come on, who's watching Rankin and Bash? <laughs> I'm just confused because I'm not familiar with the folk story of Pinocchio outside of the Disney movie, but Disney didn't make up the story. No, no, no Disney didn't that make up the story. So, so no, the no, was it was it was that Anderson? Christian Anderson? No, it's an Italian folk tale, but I don't mm-hmm. see where Disney would have had any copyright on it in the first place. Because because Disney. Um, lobbied Congress to change the copyright laws uh, in 1976 so that any original day work that they made using uh, Pinocchio as the source, they owned. The they kind of owned the character of Pinocchio. So even though they didn't, even though the, 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 the source character was public domain, the situations that Disney put them put them in, they owned. And, and all like ancillary characters that they came up with and everything else. So the cat and the fox... Disney's. Right. The Blue Fairy is Disney. Exactly. Not the Blue Fairy, though. She's Lady, uh... Lady Azora. Lady Azora. <laughs> Better that than Lady Antebellum, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's... That'd be an entirely different story. All right. I think we need to move on to the crown jewel of the Rank and Bass of you. <laughs> 1981. Brings us the tried and true Christmas classic, the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. Oh God! The, all right, I'll set this up because this this special is a legend among my circle of friends. <laughs> but twelve years ago, it may have very well been autumn of my first Christmas together. That would have been that was thirteen years ago. Jim brings over a VHS copy. Of the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold and says, have you ever seen this? And I said, I don't remember if I have. So we sat and watched a half hour of what could very well be, for most Irish Americans, the most offensive piece of stop motion animation ever. It it is so bad that even Wikipedia doesn't have a link to it. Wow. Wow! In the Rankin and Bass filmography, there's it's got the, the, the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold listed, but there's no link. It oh my! Link to it. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, every time someone tries to write anything about it, the Irish, you know, Irish American League is like, boom, gone. <laughs> yeah. YouTube. YouTube. The whole thing is on YouTube. And that's the sick thing is, my daughter loved it. Well, that's because Google is above the Irish American League. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm Blarney Killicalarney, principal patriarch of the clan Killicalarney, designer of their destinies, father of their fantasies, planter of their potatoes, and guardian of their gold. Were those Killicalarneys I saw on the shore? And how should I know? I haven't spoke to them for a hundred years. Your own family? Why? Well, you see, we came to a part in other ways. Are you really interested, lad? I am that. Then let me tell you the whole story. For I haven't talked to anyone in so long. All right, so you got your you got your leprechauns. They're in golden shoes, <laughs> and there's a banshee who's trying to steal their gold. Yeah, of course, the banshee who's made out of out of tears. 
the sweet potato nose. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got a, a mook named uh, Dinty Doyle. Dinty Doyle. Hello, I'm Dinty Doyle. Who gets told by this dick of a captain, go pull up that tree. I want that tree. <laughs> Conifer on a desert island. Kill it! I want that solitary tree. I should very well have wondered what that tree was doing there, seeing as how pine can't grow in sand. But I'm not that bright. That's why I'm in the navy. Oh God! It's just you know what I would would have been great. And again, this will be a cut scene that'll show up once both Rankin and Pass are dead. Is the reveal of when the Banshee turns from the, the crying woman on the beach mm-hmm. into the Banshee, and then Dinty's like, but, but, but we made love! <laughs> I thought we had something special! <laughs> you said you loved me! That's me Irish spawning you right now! <laughs> oh. You kissed me Blarney Stone! <laughs> it's just the stupidest plot point ever. <laughs> the the Banshee needs to be given gold. Christmas really gold! Be given Christmas gold by Christmas, or she turns into tears. <laughs> so wait, wait. This, is not, this does not exist in Irish, Irish mythology or Christmas mythology. They made this stuff up. So does, has she somehow throughout the centuries always been able to trick some some dingbat into giving her, or giving her gold? But only on that one day a year. Only on that one yeah. day, yeah. What does she do for the rest of the year? I'm Eladi. I let you kiss my Irish rose. <laughs> you give me some gold, I let you kiss it. And I think we we mentioned this before, but I guarantee, like the first fifteen uh, drafts of the script that were all turned out with the censors had them with like whiskey bottles right, exactly. and stuff like that. No, 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 you can't show that, guys. Well, come you, on, you can't do it. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. Okay, how Here, about here's the fifth, here's the fifth draft, guys. I told you no whiskey. <laughs> okay. But it's not whiskey, it's Guinness. No! No! The 20th draft. I'm sorry, guys, I'm sorry. You know, everything I know about the Irish, I just, it's just, it's there. It just how writes about, itself. How about this? We let them, we get them real drunk and we let them fight. Okay. <laughs> 20th draft. Okay, it's tea this time. And she drugs. <laughs> With whiskey. With whiskey. <laughs> no! <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'll put my, I'll put my shillelagh up your, up your arse. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, to, to my wife, who's who's third generation Irish, I'm sorry, honey. Yeah, <laughs> and it turns out much. it's not. My wife is Irish too. <laughs> it's not true love's kiss that can wake us the sleep of death. It's true love's rainbow. <laughs> Sent by Saint Patrick slash Santa Claus. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right> the rainbow. <laughs> It's Pope Leprechaun. Are <laughs> you telling me this this captain at the very it's magically end, delicious at the very end? This captain who wanted who wanted this single tree on this desert island has a boat loaded loaded with gold. He's not thinking. I wonder how I kill off Dinty Doyle and all these leprechauns. <laughs> well, you know what I could do? I could just court martial him. It took me five days to get the damn tree. Why are they even taking the leprechauns off the island? Exactly. Well, they're bringing them back to Ireland. Because there was an earthquake, because Ireland is on a fault line, and that's how the island, be, you know, it just broke off from Ireland. 
Oh dear. Okay. There's so much wrong with this. There is, there is so very much wrong with it. Speaking of so much very wrong, moving on to 1985, L. Frank Bond's The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. Where, they, where Rankin and Bash were like, we built this nice, good mythology around Santa Claus. Fuck it. Screw it. Go on, we're let's, done. let's do something else. Come All on. right. It was a short 60 years or so ago, an instant in immortal time, that I came upon the babe, abandoned in the snowy woods at the very edge of the forest. I left the child with the lioness Shiegra. I ordered her to lie close to the babe and to give it her milk, and to send word throughout the forest that the child should not be harmed. Otherwise, he would have been Shiegra's evening meal. This made my daughter cry. Okay? Oh, that's, oh, <laughs> wow. We had to shut it off. Because hard. there are mother abandonment uh, storylines going on I here. I haven't shown this to Scarlet. Uh, good, good, good for yeah, Scarlet. Yeah, yeah, so good for Don't. Scarlet. All right. It made her cry. It made her get scared and wow. sad. Yeah. Because, essentially, Santa's an abandoned baby, like he was in the first story, except this time he's being raised by a lioness, and then adopted by a fairy... And then goes off to live life with the uh, with the immortals and Tingler, and they the aforementioned Tingler. They, they want to give him the cloak of immortality. Here, let's give let's give the elf named Tingler. Yeah, baby, baby. There is only one song in this entire thing. All of these Rankin and Bass things are like fifty. You know, you drop a hat. There's a song. At, at least the Leprechaun's uh, Christmas Gold had um, Christmas in Killarney. Which That's is, true. Which is a good song. However, that was not written for that movie. No, that was song a, exists independent of that was movie. A, that was actually a bad version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the Leprechaun's Sisters Gold only has one song, and it's about getting like a stuffed cat for Christmas. And the kids are singing it, and Santa's got this look on his face, like, "What? Yeah. The, uh, yeah." <laughs> you said the Leprechaun's. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, in um, Santa in the Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. Santa Claus has this look on his face. He's watching the kids sing like, what the fuck did I just start? <laughs> um, this what did I give these kids? The, the the main enemies of Santa Claus in this one are the Aquas, who are like these like demon monsters that oh, don't want Santa to deliver any toys, and they keep stealing them. The Aquas? So at, at, at some point, the Immortals decide that they're going to raise an army to fight the Aquas, so Santa Claus can deliver his toys, and then they straight up fucking murder everybody. <laughs> Seriously, there's like there's this dragon that one of the fairies turns to um turns to water, and oh. then there's like the, they they turn like this other aqua into a flower, and they deprive him of water, and he drops dead. And at the end, uh, yeah, aqua is is not the not the agua. No, I was just thinking. Should we throw in the disclaimer that you watched this under the influence of some heavy? Painkiller? Uh, I already have, actually, oh, okay. yes. <laughs> Maybe you remember right And then at the end, when, you know, you don't need to worry about the Aquas anymore, Santa, Santa Claus, they have perished. To me, the word perished always means dead. <laughs> Excellent. I feel like it's just not Christmas until there's been a good killing spree. Well, it, it's, you know, I'm reading the Wikipedia page on it. It says, the special now airs on ABC Family. Though heavily edited. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> Don't show it to your kid. Yeah. Yeah, no. Th- th- this is this is best meant for when you're 35 to 40 years old and just like, 
I can't believe they thought kids would like this. <laughs> While having some heavily med- heavily oh, med- yeah. painkillers. Well, I'm in an oxycotton daze right now. Uh, <laughs> Let's watch some what else is on. Seventies commercials. Oh, getting, I'm getting to that, honey. I'm getting to that. So anyway, there is one final one here, and unfortunately, I can't find a copy of it anywhere. Yeah. Rankin and Bass's final um, animated special. Thus far, I guess. 2000, well, I don't know. These guys are in their 90s now. <laughs> God help them if they're going to try to make another one. 2001 Santa Baby. Based on the, the song made famous by Eartha Kitt. Um, and uh, and Mariah uh, Carey. And Pat, Patti LaBelle, I think, is is like the, the main yeah. actress in it. Uh, yeah. I, so it's live action? Uh, no, it's actually it's um, animated. Oh. But yeah, unfortunately, there's I couldn't find anything for it at all. I didn't even know it existed until you told no, me. Until I saw it. Now, if anybody, if anybody can find a copy, a good copy that I can post to our website, just email it to me. Email me the link at uh, geeksaladyahoo.com, and I will be happy to uh, post that and share it with everybody. It'll be a Christmas miracle. Yeah. Well, guys, God, this God blesses everyone. Well, this was an interesting conversation. It yeah, well, yeah. went off the rails pretty quick, yeah. which is always good. Yeah. So shall it we went, move on? It went dark. It went very dark. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to some so, segments. Let me just yep, say, yep. when was the last time you saw, you heard a uh, Christmas special talk about bestiality, huh? <laughs> uh, well, there was that Andy Williams special. <laughs> oh, oh, or, or, yeah, okay. or genetic mutations. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, let's get on to our segments brought to you by the Big Nez Show at www.unregularradio.com. Download the app. Let's do it on your smartphone. Um, it's live, and it's spectacular. Hey, Big Nez. Hey, Big Nez. Hey, Joe. How you guys doing? I'll be appearing again sometime, I think, the week before Christmas. They asked me to come back to discuss the most disappointing Christmas gifts I've ever received. <laughs> oh, not I've given you. Not, yeah, oh, none you've given me. That's a concept I don't want to be a part of. <laughs> no, no, no. Just the child, the, just, cool. the, just the ones from childhood that cool scarred me that. horribly and cool mold, molded me into the man I am today. So uh, let's get started with... Stupid! Stupid! All right, so... They cast Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yay. And uh, now it, it, news today that Jason Moma from uh, Game of Thrones has also been cast as a character in Superman vs. Batman. I got, no pro- I got no problems with either of those guys. Leading me to ask the question, does DC even know what the fuck Superman vs. Batman <laughs> is going to be about? Because it seems to me like they're just going to give you a JLA movie with zero build-up. But, but not call it JLA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Batman vs. Superman. Well, let's run Wonder Woman. Batman vs. Superman and Wonder Woman. Well, you know what? And Green Lantern. Well, depending on what Jason Momoa's character is, because we don't know if he's going to be... Now, the rumor is he's going to be either Martian Manhunter or he's going to be Doomsday. Now, if he goes to Doomsday and, you know, he plays the primary villain or the villain along with uh, Lex Luthor, I have no problem with it because you can do a a movie focused on just the the Trinity. Wonder Woman, Batman, and I think bringing out Doomsday this early on the second movie is... Too right, but we, we, I mean, it's but so you'll get your Christ analogy but, again. But the problem, no, the problem is we don't. I mean, we don't know. I mean, detail. All we're hearing are rumors. You don't know if it's going to be uh, if this if he does play Doomsday, he could just have a small cameo at the end that leads to a, a you know the JLA movie where everybody has to come together to stop this guy. 
Yeah. Well, it could happen. It's just... I mean, I have I, no problem with the... With, what's the name of the woman that they cast as Wonder Woman? Uh, Gilda... G- Gal... Gals, yeah. Galat, Galat or something like that. Yeah. All right. He was in a Fast and Furious series. Right, which yeah. I haven't watched a frame of the Fast and, and Furious movies. I've never seen Jason Momoa act in English. Oh, you oh, haven't seen... Oh, oh honey, you haven't seen Conan. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, he did, he's done English roles. I'm yeah. trying to remember... Uh, yeah. Wasn't he in Stargate Atlantis? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah from season two on. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and we know how much my wife loves well, Stargate Atlantis. Like, like I said, I don't have a problem with them <laughs> if they include Wonder Woman and I make it a movie that. about the Trinity. Then that's fine because you can build the JLA off right. of that. I've actually but, heard. I've actually heard that she's not going to be like. She's not even going to be in a costume. Like she's going to be they, more they, like street clothes. And well, they, what I heard is that they're going to do what they did with like a Black Widow in Iron Man Two. You know, kind of have her just kind of show up and then have reveal her, herself right, to be exactly. yeah. Ugh. I mean, I I will say this till I'm blue in the face. I know you need to have a Thor like Wonder Woman complete exposition movie before you can completely roll out Wonder Woman. I I, I want to see how they how they do this before I go complaining about like, it. All right. Well, I said earlier, I said earlier when we were talking this off the air, it's like they need to have the people who run their TV series. At least either consult, you know, run the movie side or consult on the movie side. Yeah. yeah. What they're doing with Arrow ain't happening. Is perfect. Ain't happening. And they have to. They should include what's going on with Arrow as part of the DC movie universe. But they're you know they're not. Actually, yeah. No, they're not. It's no, because it's it's all under one umbrella and no one's talking to each other. Right. Exactly. So that's that that's kind of the issue with it. Yeah. So, ugh, you know, I know it's going to be at least at the very least it'll be fun. Yeah, I, I can't. I really, I'm looking but forward you, to seeing Ben Affleck as Batman. I yeah. just really think that should be fun. Yeah, I mean, 2015 is just going to be so good. Loaded. It is going to be so loaded with awesome. movies. And then uh, 2016, we're, gonna have, we're getting X Men Apocalypse. I know. Oh, and oh, Brian Singer is direct. is directing. They, it's like they brought passion back to X Men. It's really kind of cool. I you love know, First Class. Well, well, what it was is Fox was seeing what. Marvel did when they bought yep. their properties back, and they're saying we got to do something, or Marvel's going to make a play for the you know to get the properties. Yeah, I kind of wish they did though. Like, I, you know, I'm I love the I love the Marvel the uh, X Men movies. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that they bomb because so Marvel can get them back and we can nope. get a big and nice. Ain't gonna happen. Well, know, it was, well you know, know. Well, it was the same thing with Spider Man. I was hoping that so, because there was a rumor that Sony oh I was, was hoping shopping, well yeah Sony was shopping Spider Man back to Marvel and. You know, yep, since and, the Amazing Spider-Man did so well, they're yeah. like, okay, we're going to keep it. Uh, so anyway, let's move on. Uh, we're going to take a different uh, approach to Trailer Park this week. We're going to go retro for our <laughs> Christmas episode. And uh, we're going to be uh, talking about 1985 Santa Claus, the movie. Prophecy has come to pass that there would come to us a chosen one. And that he himself would be an artist and a skilled maker of toys. From this day on, now and forever, he will bring our gifts to all the children in all the world. This is your legacy and your gift, as is the gift of flight. It's them! <laughs> Every year, the magic happens again. 
Merry Christmas! It certainly should be. <laughs> Until now. What are you? I'm an elf. An elf? Yes. You mean, like, a fairy? I mean, I'm talking modern methods of production here. I'm talking assembly line. I'm talking way for the future. Now someone wants to take the magic out of Christmas. We say, bigger, better, it's going to cost you. Cost? Cost who? Uh, the people who, who buy the toy. For nothing. We're going to give them away free. For free? Well, that's how we do it at the North Pole. Well, that's not how we do it here. Ooh. <laughs> oh, deadly horror. I had, I had you alcoholic. I had completely forgotten about this movie until... Until you watch the trailer. Until you watch the trailer, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> now I remember. It's it, it, it's it's everything. It's the, like, the most 80s Christmas movie ever. The the, the evils of capitalism, oh, homeless yeah. people. Um, and by the time you finish watching that movie, all you want to have is a bag of McDonald's and a Coke. <laughs> And an eggnog with real, real rum. This is yeah, this was produced by the Salt Kinds, and this is this tells you what yeah. happens with Superman money. <laughs> no, seriously, this was yeah, exactly this was, this was Superman money. Warner Brothers like, you know what? We got all this money. Let's, let's yeah. just piss it like, on the toilet. Well, let me see. They they did they pulled off two on Superman one, Superman two. They tried Superman three. Uh, this was, this they tried was, Supergirl. This was, like, this, was, this, was a, this was around Superman four. So the question. Yeah, so well, they didn't do that one. They had sold the rights to Canon at that point. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, but this is yeah. It's the producers of the Superman franchise and the director of Supergirl. Yeah. Jean Swark. But you know, well, you know what's funny is like you look at that Salkine's filmography and before Superman, he was like he did like historical action dramas, yeah, and stuff like that. And well, they, then did all the three, Superman, they did the Three Musketeers, right? Mm. Then all of a sudden, all the Superman money comes in. It's like, hey, let's make Santa Claus. Whoa! Wow! Let's give him a big red S on his chest. <laughs> I have S for Santa. Santa. I I have to say though that um, the actor they got for Santa Claus in this is probably one of the best looking Santa Clauses in movies. Well, I mean, it, at the, the most, very least, that's really, like the, the nicest part, though, thing I could say about this. But the thing is, the movie was so focused on Dudley Moore and John Lithgow. And Which yeah, Santa was problem. Santa was such a secondary character. It's for, Santa Claus for, 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 for a movie named Santa Claus, Santa Claus is just making cameos. Well, I just find it funny, too, that they're, all, they're denouncing the reliance of sequels in a movie, you know, because it's like, we're going to bring up Christmas 2. <laughs> the year after. Hopefully, no, where well, everyone gets their fly, their candy canes that will make them fly. Hopefully, we'll all meet again in Santa Claus too. The search for more money. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, when, when the Tim Allen movie came out, I thought it was the sequel. Oh God! <laughs> Honey, you like, grew up you grew up loving this movie. What, what are your thoughts on it? I have a soft spot in my memory for this movie. <laughs> I like. The origin story that they give him. I, I, I'll admit, so I like that too. For a childless couple, and he makes toys for the children, and that, you know, and then they end up dying in a snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> and they get lost, and they, they get taken to, like, a heaven where they're suddenly, you know, they're granted immortality yeah. to go continue giving toys to children for. You know, Christmas has some pretty dark undertones here. <laughs> Well, if you think about it, if you really think about what was going on behind the scenes as Jesus is being born, Herod's got his men scouring the land, killing, every killing all the all child. the firstborns. Yeah, yeah. I always, I always really love it when all these movies about Santa Claus somehow try and wedge in Jesus. 
There's a mortal elf that lives in the North Pole and but gives I mean, choice to children. But even, he worships Jesus. Even even like the the Tim Allen Santa Claus, he's got to leave his kid, yeah, exactly. and his family behind to be Santa Claus. What? It, it, this can't be like a part, a seasonal thing, like working at UPS. Usually, <laughs> only works one day a year, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. But he's also got the powers of time and space too. He's I mean, a time lord. Come on, yeah, there you go. All right, so let's not say it's a TARDIS. Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of time lords, let's let's get into our shills. Mike, why don't you start? Ah, uh, segueing perfectly. Very nicely. Yes. Well, back on November twenty third, it was the day of the Doctor. And I will tell you, Mike, I don't watch a whole lot of Doctor Who. I enjoy it, but I kind of have to pick my battles. I really enjoyed it. Yes. I loved it. I thought it was great, especially the end. Yeah. The end. And I'll let Mike talk because... Well, are we going to deal with spoilers here? Um, We can go with light spoilers. We can say that the uh, the new Doctor does make us a quick a appearance. brief Second long appearance. Yep. Oh, just mainly it's just his eyes. But um, I really like the explanation that the War Doctor turned into Christopher Eccleston. Yes. yes. Well, especially if you watch that little like uh, little uh, video they had on YouTube, yeah, showing how the Eighth Doctor became the War Doctor. Right. Like that. Yeah. Well, that makes and sense. It's, it's nice that they brought the that the Eighth Doctor came back to actually do it. Actually, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Like one of his, I think the, la- the last line that he had before regenerating was. I hope they do something different with the ears this time. <laughs> and one of the first, like, um, in the first episode with Christopher Eccleston, he, like, looks in the mirror and he's like, oh, the ears aren't quite right. Nice little tete-a-tete there. Still not going to be a ginger, unfortunately. I just really, I had a good time watching it. It was a lot of fun. I did like the... The interaction between uh, the, oh, the two doctors, Ten- yeah. Tennant and Matt Smith, yeah. I mean, I'm not a big Matt Smith fan. I, I've never really taken no, him I mean, the way I liked. Like, I, I think uh, honestly, out of the new doctors, I think Christopher Eccleston's been the best. But I really yeah, like David I disagree, Tennant. I disagree. I, you know, I grew up with Tom Baker as my yeah. Doctor, well, yeah, he's well, my so favorite. Did I. But David Tennant, I think, is right now the current generation of doctor. I think David Tennant's the best. They both take out their suck screwdrivers and point it at like a time pole. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like trying to reverse the polarity. And David Tennant's like, wait a minute, we're both pointing at it. We're both reversing the polarity. You're reversing it. I'm reversing it back. We're confusing the polarity. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. Sand, yeah, sand shoes. The sand shoes in uh, Grandpa, Gramps and, uh, Gramps and, and Chini. And Chini. <laughs> It was really good. If you uh, haven't watched it yet, please. please yeah. And then on on uh, Christmas Day... Oh, the Christmas show. Uh, it's yep. uh, the time of the Doctor, and it's going to be Matt Smith's final episode. Yep. yep. All right. Well, farewell, Matt Smith. Yeah. Welcome to Peter Capaldi. Yep. <laughs> Joe, what do you got? All right. My show this, uh, this week is uh, Space Battleship Yamato 2199. Okay. And the reason I bring it up is many of you... Probably remember the show Star Blazers way back in the day on Channel 25 before Force 5. Well, it's coming back as Star Blazers 2199, but they're not changing any of the plot. They're not changing any of the names. So it's still going to be the Yamato, and you know it's not going to be Derek Wildstar or anything <laughs> like that. And it's going to be it's going to be a dub, but it's coming to uh, coming to the U.S. as a as Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So it's not going to be theatrical release, but it'll be more. No. All right. No, they're going to release six volumes, four episodes each volume. All right. Because I've seen, I've seen some of the video on YouTube for it, and it looks great. The they updated. Uh, it's all brand new animation. Um, like 
the the the, the Yamato is all done in CGI or cell shaded CGI. Yeah. All those oh, space nice. battles are done in uh, cell shaded CGI. But they've updated the story. The story is is it's the same basic plot, but it's completely different. Like the mo- motivations of the Gamelons is completely different. Our mm-hmm. motivations for going to Iskandar are completely different. <laughs> so, I mean, I highly recommend it. I, I've watched the, the entire series um, on uh, on. Uh, on the uh, anime channels, yeah. and it's it's amazing. It's hmm. so well done. So cool. All right, no, my shell is a little different because it's not like something I went out and bought or like, oh hey, new show on. <laughs> I've I've got, I've become obsessed lately with going on YouTube and watching vintage commercials, like <laughs> just these compilations. And again, while I was laid up, heavily medicated, heavily medicated, <laughs> sitting on peace. <laughs> We watched uh, a number of compilations of 80s Christmas commercials oh, and a, <laughs> a shit ton of 70s commercials. Oh, my God. You also mentioned some 60s commercials as well. Yeah, there were some yeah. 60s commercials. Um, we were actually, the other night, we were watching a bunch of them that were nothing... Pra- I mean, if I were an alien visiting from um, from another world... And I were going to judge American culture based on the commercials I saw from the 1960s. I would assume that the, the two fun. biggest concerns Earthlings had was having not having a sore throat, so they needed a minty cigarette, <laughs> and that which I can their to, soap help. wasn't good enough unless it had a heavy lather. <laughs> Rich heavy lather. Rich, Rich heavy, heavy lather. lather. <laughs> then. Um, Oh, God, last, oh, last night, it's funny, last night we were watching one, and there were a couple of Colt 45 ads, back when they tried to market Colt 45 to Is white that, people. Were those with Billy D. Williams? No, 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 these are the Colt 45 ads uh, that were marketed towards white people oh, in the 60s. You and, can't have smooth Colt 45. Uh, well, yeah, Williams. well, there's this guy who's just sitting there bored, and like all this, this crazy shit is happening in front of him, and then, you know, his waiter comes, and he pours him one, but there's this little ditty. That that's running this little song running throughout the entire commercial, and this is back when commercials were like a minute long. This wasn't just like half that, you know, thirty second commercials. And at the end of it, Autumn starts humming it. It was stuck in her head. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Now though, it's gone. My um, but this oh, but a straight observation I had about the beer commercial, the Miller commercials of the nineteen seventies. <laughs> these guys are doing heavy like. Heavy labor. They're blowing up buildings and they're flying planes and all this stuff. Dusting crops. And dusting crops. And then on, now, America. now it's Miller time. <laughs> so what do they do? They bring out a uh, like a like an entire bucket of beers on the work <laughs> site. <laughs> oh, yeah, I really want someone flying. And get over sloppy. And now, hey, let's blow up that. Let's blow that building. Labor laws were a little bit lax back then. <laughs> let's fly over the crops. Uh, I mean, dump all this poison. Wait, those are people. Ah, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> a bunch, bunch of Northwest Airlines walking into the <laughs> airline pilots. In the 70s commercials, though, for beer, there are no women. Mm. Like, today the beer commercials it's are all, all like, women. It's yeah. all like, woohoo, drink this beer, and all these chicks all the ladies are gonna... all over you. This one, it's just guys well, you know, in a bar with their beers by themselves. Being manly. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. I, I like to look at, like, uh, like the... Uh, uh, car ads, car yeah. magazine ads yeah. from the fifties and sixties, and oh my god, it's so misog- misogynistic. Oh, oh, oh! These commercials unbelievably. Were... I'm like, wow. This one, there was a commercial from the nineteen sixties that was a Goodyear commercial, and the actual tagline was, "If there's not a man around, you should have Goodyear." 
And there was a tab commercial for the drink tab that if you don't drink tab, your men will leave you. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. Basically because not drinking tab is going to make you fat and ugly. However, I got to say, the, the one that really was like my what the fuck moment was we're watching these these ads from the 80s. These are British TV ads from the 1980s. <laughs> and there's this one ad about don't let your dog go running into a field of sheep because <laughs> the sheep could get killed, the dog could get shot, you could be held liable for the damage caused by your dog to the sheep. And I, I, I finally, like, the ad's over and I'm like, what the fuck was that? It was in an ad for a public called? service announcement, like, if you take a trip into the country, don't let your dog attack the sheep. The, 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 the farmer might shoot your dog. And he'd have every right to do it, too. <laughs> Crazy. Kentucky Fried Chicken now went open on bank holidays. <laughs> that's like an NRA commercial. Oh my god! It was just, oh god. Seriously, if if ever you guys need a new obsession on something, just this. go to YouTube and just type in '70s commercials, '80s commercials, and you gotta do the Christmas commercials because the Christmas commercials are the freaking best. There is a commercial. One of the first ones we watched was the 1982 E.T. E.T. Atari commercial. Where E.T. is like dressed as Santa and he's playing the game and I'm like you lying son of a bitch. And then there was the great one with the, uh, the lonely lady who's daughter gave her gift certificates for long, long distance, distance yes. <laughs> That was her Christmas gift. Like $5 off your long distance phone bill. Back, oh, back, wow. back in the day when you had to rent your phone from the phone company. Oh my god, these are just, they're hilarious ads. I, I, I swear to you, you will not, oh, and did you ever watch the video I sent you? No, one I of the ones know. is 70s action figure commercials. <laughs> Alright? And yeah, they had, Joe, with a kung fu grip. Oh yeah, but there was one for the Mego, oh, the Mego Greatest Hero line, and they're like Spider Man, Captain America, Batman and Robin, the Falcon, the Great Black Superhero. <laughs> <laughs> I paused it, and my and I'm like, like laughing my what's ass your- off, and my daughter's like, Daddy, what's so funny? And I'm like, You understand that you're older. Let me guess who the target demographic is with that one. No, it was, well, apart from the fact that every time they show, like, the kids playing, you know, like, they, they have those commercials where the kids are all playing and they're doing the voice, it's always the black kid who's got to be the bad guy. <laughs> always! Black kid plays Lex Luthor. The black guy, the black kid plays the uh, Wonder Woman's adversary. Well, this, <laughs> God was, of War. this was the time of live and let die. That's true. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, that... Yes. I, I have a shill. Yes. Well, you talked tonight a lot about uh, unpleasant snowman sidekicks and things. If you want an antidote to that, if you want to see a really funny, well-crafted snowman character, go see Disney's Frozen. It's awesome. I've actually heard good things a about that one. A lot of people are saying that is wicked good. Josh Gad from Book of Mormon steals the show as Olaf the Snowman. The previews make it look you know, kind of chintzy, but he's really, really funny. Yeah. I heard, I heard a lot of it's people a, say it's not like it's not your typical Disney. No. That's what I've heard. It's a beautifully animated movie. I saw it in 3D. It's certainly worth bringing for the extra five bucks or whatever. Well, yeah, because it's it's an animated. Yeah. The animated yeah, the always CG, works yeah. better in CG. Mm. Absolutely gorgeous. I loved it. Excellent, excellent. I can't wait to see it now. Ah. 
she'll be telling me everything that happens. <laughs> watch this, watch this, watch <laughs> And they cast actual singers to do their own singing. Get out of town! Disney usually do. Disney usually hires a voice actor and then singing. Right. But this time they hired a bunch of Broadway people, so... That's good. Next well, one. Yeah, Radical Idina Menzel is uh, the, one of the voices in it, right? She is one of the princes. And what's his name? Uh, Jonathan Groff is also one, too, right? Yep. So, excellent. Well, thank you very much, honey. Very nice. All right, so, that's our Christmas show. Woohoo! That's six Christmas shows down. <laughs> and we are actually now only eight shows away from 100. Wow. I know, we're getting close. We are getting friggin' close. We need to do something really special for us. We have to figure that out. Good. We got to figure that out soon. But... We still got eight shows to go. Yep. So, episode 93, we are going to right a wrong. A couple of years ago, we started doing our uh, 30-year retrospecticus <laughs> on um, a, a respective date. However, we... we ne- retrospecticon. Yeah, okay. Well, we, we neglected to do 1980 and 1981. About a year and a half ago, we did uh, the movies of 1980. We never did a music of 1980. So, we are writing a wrong this... Uh, for our first show of the new year, and we're going to cover the top hits of yeah. 1980. The end of the the end of the disco era. Oh, it's disco and country infused. Yeah, oh, no. it's a it is it is your variable grab bag of novelty songs and yacht rock and everything. <laughs> Mustaches and gold chains and billowing oh, chest hair. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> so, if there's any songs that you want us to talk about. You can email us at Yahoo at uh, GeekSalad at Yahoo.com. You can uh, like us on Facebook, uh, just, which is just Geek Salad Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Geek Salad Radio. And uh, you can check out our archive. We are available at Stitcher. Mm-hmm. We are available on the iTunes Store. And the full archive is available at GeekSalad.podbean.com, including the mobile app. So, another mobile app and mobile site. So, yeah, please. Yes. Yeah, geeksalad.podbean.com slash mobile. Yes, so please check that out. The player is included with it. So, Joe, thanks for coming yeah. again. Oh, no problem. Always, always great you. having you contribute. Autumn, Thank thanks, for, thanks for contributing. She's also uh, knitting a sweater right now. It's a very pretty sweater. She's very, so close to the end. She's very talented. <laughs> so, until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. Go forth and be nerdful, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you later. Walk around the fields to click your heels and join in the fun of the jigs and reels. I'm handing you no blarney, the likes you've never known. It's Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. Oh, Christmas in Killarney with all of the folks at home. Hello, Iggy. Say hello, Blitzen. Cut. Say hello, Blitzen. Hey, hey, hey! Cut. Say hello, Blitzen. Cut.